you might think good customer service doesn't exist anymore. But maybe you didn't know that for over 30 years, CVS has been using its Good Samaritan van to run up and down busy highways, helping stranded motorists, fixing flat tires, and more. And you might not have thought of it before, but serving others is also a form of worship. Our service to one another, our service to our neighbors, our service to to our brothers and sisters in Christ, our service to our family, our service to the church, our service in your work setting can be an act of worship. Welcome to Anchor Points, a program produced by Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. Today, Robert Quintana shows how you can allow God to arise in your worship of Him through service. In the fourth and last part of this series, Mission Possible. So I came across this story several years ago about... A couple that had been married for many, many years. They've, uh, they've enjoyed a long life, but as with most relationships, there's been ups and downs. They've gone through some very great times, and they've had their difficulties in their marriage. And uh, the husband wasn't feeling very well. In fact, he wasn't feeling good at all. And so they decided to go to the doctor. Finally, after much convincing, you know how men can be about going to the doctor right? We, we don't want to go. I'll be okay. It's just a little scratch. It's just a little bruise. It's just a little, little ache. I'll get over it. Don't worry. But things just got worse and worse. And finally, the wife was like, we're going. We're making an appointment. We're going to the doctor. And they get there and he was already in pretty bad shape. They run some tests. They do some examinations and they kind of probe him here and probe him there. And The doctor comes out to the waiting room where the wife was and says, uh, I have some pretty bad news to share with you. Um, The doctor says, he's he's in really bad shape. He has a really bad case of anemia. And if we don't jump on this right now, you could very well lose him. I mean, it it is progressed and and we just need to get on top of it right now. And she says, well, so so there is a cure. There is something we can do to to help him. The doctor says, yeah, absolutely. But it's going to require a lot of work. The doctor says to her, you're going to have to to wait on him hand and foot. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you're just going to have to attend to every one of his needs. You're going to have to make him three square meals a day and they have to be healthy and nutritious. The doctor says you're going to have to get him a little bell so whenever he needs anything... He can just ring that bell and and you need to be there. Anything that he needs to do or carry, you need to do for him. You need to give him a foot rub in the morning and a full body massage in the evening. I mean, you just have to go out of your way. Oh, and by the way, stress. We can't have any stress in the home. So no arguments and you have to keep the house tidy and clean because we, we do not want him to be stressed out about anything. And so you just basically need to just serve him for the next few weeks, nonstop. She was silent through it all. Just kind of thinking about, trying to process everything that the doctor was saying. 
The doctor says, do you want me to go in and share with him the news? And she says, no, no, I'll go in and, and share with him what you've shared with me. He says, okay. So the wife goes into the room and immediately he can tell that there was something wrong because just the face, the, the look on her face. And, and the husband goes, honey, is everything okay? Well, what does the doctor say? And the wife says, I'm so sorry, but the doctor says you're going to die. <laughs> you know, there's something about service that grinds us the wrong way. I mean, that word service just wells up within some of us, just some really negative emotions, and we think, oh, service. I I don't know that I want to serve. It takes so much time and and so much effort and so much of my resources. I just don't know that I want to have to put up with it. And when we think about service, we oftentimes have these negative feelings about service, whether it's serving a family member or serving a friend or serving the church or serving a neighbor. We sometimes just say, you know what, I'm not sure that I want to serve. Hopefully, I pray that as we journey together through today's message, at the end of it, you will have a different opinion about service. I pray that at the end of today's message, you will walk out of here saying, you know what, I think I want to give this service thing a try. Because we're going to look at at a verse here that's going to explain service to us just a little bit differently. And I hope that it will energize us, empower us, equip us to say, you know what, I want to serve. And that verse is found in Romans chapter 12 verse 1. I'd like for you to turn there with me. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. And it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Did you see that word there, service, at the end of verse 1? I want to try and kind of break this verse down a little bit to you. These two verses, by the way, are just jam-packed with stuff. I had such a hard time just figuring out what to throw out of today's message because we have no time to just go through all of it. But, but I want to focus here in just a, a minute on that word service. But let's kind of break it down just a little bit so that we get a better understanding of, of what's taking place here. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Beseech, that word um, also can be translated as urge or I implore you. I beg of you. I am urging you to do this. And so just think about that word for just one second. I am begging you. Paul says there, I am begging you. I am urging you to do this. And then he says, therefore. Now, for those of you that that regularly attend here, you know that word therefore is important, right? Because that word therefore indicates that everything that comes before what is being said is significant in understanding what comes after. And so just to kind of bring you up to speed what's going on here, the verses leading up to this is talking about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. 
It's talking about what Christ has done for you, what he has done for me, that by dying on the cross, we are now able to put on that robe of righteousness. And then he goes on to say how because of this, because of his grace and his mercy and his love for you, you, every one of us can be grafted into the family tree of God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, and it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or if you're a Greek, it does not matter if you accept Christ, you can be grafted into the family tree of God. That is good news. And, and there's another neat part there. It says, maybe, maybe you've been a part of church and maybe you fell away and maybe you've been away from church for a long, long time. You too can be grafted back into the family tree of God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so that's what he is saying leading up to this verse. And so now he says, I beseech you, I urge you, I plead with you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, and some of your translations might say rational or logical service. In other words, it's a no-brainer. I mean, it is a no-brainer because what Jesus Christ has done for me, it is rational, it is reasonable, it is a no-brainer for me now to serve God. And then verse 2, and to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so here we're talking about service, which I know at this point some of you might be confused. Because maybe you might be thinking, well, wait a second. I thought this was part four of a series on our mission statement. So part one of this sermon series was, how do we allow God to arise in our lives? And so we talked about that. How is it that we allow God to arise in our lives? Part two of this series was, how do we allow God to arise in our homes and our families? What are some of the things that we can start doing with our families in order to allow God to arise in our homes? And then part three, we talked about how do we allow God to arise in our community? Not just in this community of of faith gathered here today, but in the larger community of Frederick. What do we need to do to allow God to arise in our communities? And we talked about that last week. And so today, part four makes sense, right? To look at that last part, how do we allow God or how do we arise in worship to him? That's what we're trying to answer today. The last part of our mission statement to allow, how do we arise in worship to him? But when you look at these two verses, the word worship isn't in there at all. So you might be saying, but wait a second, I thought we were supposed to talk about how do we arise in worship to him? And you know, sometimes when we talk about worship, we get all caught up with music styles and drums and guitar and, and whether drama is acceptable or not. And I got to tell you that as I dove into this this week, My eyes were just open and I am so thankful that worship is so much more than that. Because while you might not see it on the surface, worship is embedded in these two texts. Now let me just share with you just real quick that there are basically three categories of worship in Scripture. 
the Bible talks about three kinds of worship. And you can find these three kinds in both the Old Testament and the New Testament with Hebrew words and Greek words. And the first form of worship is one of humility, one of humbleness. It is the kind of worship that says, You are amazing and you humble yourself before God. You surrender your life before God and you fall to the ground and you worship him. The Bible talks about that. Old Testament, New Testament. You see men and women falling to the ground in worship, in humbleness. The second type of worship that the Bible talks about is one of reverence. It talks about this this attitude that you are just so awestruck by who God is that your natural response is to worship him. When you experience him, when you see his goodness, when you see what he has done, you cannot help but to have reverence and to fear him and say, God, you are awesome. You are amazing. You are incredible. You are unbelievable. And as a result of that, you worship. But there's a third kind of worship that the Bible talks about. And this is the kind that just fascinated me as I was studying this this week. It was the kind, it's the kind of worship that it just grappled my heart when I was studying. And I I just could not believe that the word of God was so clear when you actually take the time to read it. And it's in here and you don't see it right off the bat. But I want to read verse one again to see if maybe you can catch it. Verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That Greek word there is a little bit complicated. The Greek word there for service, the Bible translators actually have a very difficult time how to translate that word. They don't know if to translate it as worship or as service. Let me just share with you another place where it becomes very clear. Go in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 9 says this. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service... Perfect in regard to the conscious. It is the same Greek word as the one found in Romans chapter 1, chapter 12, verse 1. The word service there. But did you notice that as we were reading it, you really could have substituted it for the word worship? Now, check this out. Just one page over to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 2. It says this. For then would they not have ceased to be offered for the worshipers once purified would have had no consciousness of sin. The word worshipers there is the same exact word as the one in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 9 and in Romans 12 verse 1. And here the Bible translators, instead of saying servants, they translated worshipers. It's the same word. And so what do we learn? That our service can be an act of worship. Our service to one another, 
Our service to our neighbors, our service to to our brothers and sisters in Christ, our service to our family, our service to the church, our service in your work setting can be an act of worship. And so I started to think, I need examples. I need examples of, of, of what it means to worship as we serve. And I didn't have to look very far before I found examples all over the place of what this text is trying to teach us. And, and I brought with me here um, our ministry leaders list, everyone involved in ministry in our church. And I didn't have to look very far before I realized that I'm surrounded by a bunch of people who are worshiping all week long, week in and week out as they come here and serve. I am surrounded by a family that goes out into the community and worships God by the way they serve the community. I think about flag camp, fun learning about God, and vacation Bible school. You know that we have anywhere from 150 to 200 volunteers at our vacation Bible school. They come and they give of themselves. They sacrifice and give their time and energy. They are serving, and in so doing, they are worshiping. I think of our school. And all of the teachers and all of the volunteers that come to prepare meals. All of the coaches that come out to teach our our children how to to be responsible and how to play within the rules. And how to to show a Christian attitude in, in the sports. And I think of all the things that happen in the school. The skate nights, the yearbook, on and on and on. All the people that serve the school. And in so doing, they are worshiping. I think about some of our outreach ministries, those that go out into the nursing homes and into the prison. And then we have a group that goes downtown Frederick and they help to serve the needy and those less fortunate. How they serve the community, they are involved in an act of worship. The Bible talks about this service as it being an act of worship. And I guess there are two things I want to accomplish here today. Number one, I just want to send a huge thank you to everyone that volunteers their time, their energy, their resources, everyone who puts in the time to serve. I just want to shout out and just say a big thank you because you are living a life of worship to our God. And then I just want to, the second thing I want to accomplish today is just make an invitation for those of you that maybe aren't involved in service. And I'm asking you here today to get involved. I want you to come on board. Because you see, when we ask the question that our mission statement begs us to ask, how do we allow God to arise or how do we arise for him? When we ask that question, how is it that we arise for him? It's through service. Or one of the ways is through service. Because when you want to live a life of worship, I'm just inviting you. I'm asking you to join in the service of this church and to the community, knowing that by doing so, you are worshiping our God and our Creator. You know, several years ago, I was invited to go to a men's retreat. And uh, this, this retreat is is intended, it is targeted for men who are currently dealing with a severe addiction or maybe a gentleman who's in recovery. 
And so I went there. Um, I, I wasn't sure what to expect. The first thing they did when I got there was take my cell phone away, which at first I was like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? You know? But on Sunday when they were trying to get, give me back the cell phone, I was like, you know, actually, I don't think I want it. You can keep it. Right? But I, I, I wasn't sure what to expect going into it. But I got to tell you, I had such a blessed time as I met these men who are struggling, who are fighting addiction, but they have a heart and, and they want to follow God. They want to, to serve him. The one thing about that weekend that stood out more than anything was how we were waited upon, how we were served. I mean, at a meal, if you needed a fork, there was no such thing as getting up and going to get a fork. No, someone brought you a fork. There were people constantly asking me, is there anything that you need? Is there anything else that I can get you? We were constantly being served. I mean, it was amazing. It was great. And there was this one event that took place in the weekend that really stands out more than any. We got in this big circle with all the men around and the leader or the speaker that weekend started talking about service and how we need to serve others. And and here you've been served and now we need to go out and serve others. And then he goes on to say how Jesus Christ gave us an example of what it means to serve others. You might remember Jesus saying, I did not come to be served, but to serve others. And, And then he started to talk about foot washing and how that represents how we serve others. And then they pulled out a, a basin and a towel, and, and, and the speaker got down on his knees and he started to wash everyone's feet. It, it wasn't like we traditionally do it where we pair off. No, the speaker was washing everyone's feet. And the guy to my right, who I became kind of good friends with that weekend, who'd been through a really tough time in life, had been in, in and out of jail currently in recovery. He'd been sober for several months, and and he was a really harsh man. He was tatted up all over the place, and just one of those men that that if you see on the streets, you you really don't want to mess with. And, And he's sitting there to my right, and he sees what's going on, and he whispers to me, and he says, what the is going on? Is he really washing our feet? He said, I'm not letting him wash my feet. There's no way. I'm not taking my shoes off for anybody. No man washes my feet. And he was just talking big and and just talking tough. And and one by one, he just got closer to me and to the gentleman to my right. And closer, as the closer he got, the softer he got. And he says, well, what's going on? I just don't get this. I, I don't understand what's going on. Well, why does he have to wash my feet? And he just kind of went on and on. And, and finally it came to, to my turn and I took off my shoes and I took off my sock. And, and there he washed my feet. And I was thinking to myself, well, this is going to be either really good or really bad. <laughs> I, I'm really not sure exactly what's going to happen next, but I'm glad I have front row seats for this one. He got to the man next to me, and he, with a tear in his eye, started to take off his shoes. He took off his socks, and he stuck his foot forward, and the man just started to wash his feet. And the man next to me just started to cry, just started to sob as he just surrendered 
All that pride that he'd been carrying, all that guilt and shame that he'd been carrying was now just lifted as he just surrendered to God. And the man washed his feet. The man served him. And in so doing, that man was worshiping God. Every man was given a little cross as we left on Sunday. I still have it with me. I keep it on my dresser just to remember all of the guys that I met that weekend. You know, we have several guys from Credo here that come visit with us regularly. So you might see some of these crosses hanging around their necks. And I just want you to embrace them and and thank them for being here. It says Credo on the back of it. There's an inscription that says Christ is counting on you. You see, my friends, when we serve, we worship. And if you're asking yourself the question, how can I incorporate this mission statement into my life? How is it that I can arise in worship to him? Remember to serve. Remember to serve those that are less fortunate. Remember to serve those that are broken down on the side of the road. Remember to serve your neighbor who might be going through a divorce and has several kids and, and you know, they might need some, some extra attention. Remember to serve your congregations. Remember to serve your churches. Remember to serve and to sit on those committee meetings that that at times seem like a waste of time. Just remember to serve wherever possible. Remember to serve. Because in so doing, we're living a life of worship. Anchor Points with Robert Quintana is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at frederickSDAchurch.org. It's that season again, debates, arguments, and negative ads, all to try to convince you to vote for the candidate who has the best ideas to move our country forward. But there are other big decisions you have to make in life. Next week, Robert Quintana guides you through those choices and his message, A Word to the Wise. Also, if you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at frederickSDAchurch.org. You can also call us during the week at 301-662-5254. We're located right between I-70 and Route 15 on Jefferson Pike. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m., and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.